Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. I have a guest on the line with me. It is not Brenna. As usual, she is busy, but this time she's actually at NORAM Championship getting ready for the race. She's actually up there doing build crew. So I know this will come out before NORAM event goes off, but if you're heading up to Vermont, I know they still need volunteers, so definitely head up there. Take a chance to give back to the OCR community by volunteering at Nor Noram Champions. Yeah, Noram Championships. We're also gonna have Brent on the line in uh, before the race to talk about build crew and kind of what we can expect for the Noram Championships up in Stratton, Vermont, the weekend of August the 11th. This episode is brought to you by Hammer Nutrition. For those of you who are looking for a great endurance fuel, Hammer Nutrition has a variety of products that can help you reach your goals. Personally, I use Perpetuum. It's a fat-carb protein blend that I use for all my endurance races, and it gives me consistent results, which I'm really happy with, especially with a race that's so long and has so many variables. Perpetuum's given you consistent results through solid fueling, and I also use their gels, which have some branched-chain amino acids in there. So some great products there, and then my other favorite one is Remcaps, which is a melatonin, helps you sleep deeply at night, helps you recover and get ready for your next race. We're going to be talking all about all that stuff and more on today's episode, which is all ultra OCR focused, my favorite topic. On the line, I have Sam Oleski, a member of Strength and Speed Developmental Team. She's 36, lived in Ohio her whole life, uh, played baseball and softball growing up, has two associate's degrees, business management in 2006 and physical therapist assistant in 2018. Been working retail since she's been 16, mostly in management. Started running OCR in July 2013. Her first OCR was August 2013, which was a tough mudder. First win at a, was at a local OCR in August 2014. First podium at a national series was second at Warrior Dash, August 2015. In 2016, she was top 50 Spartan U.S. Elite Series with second place at South Carolina Sprint. 2017, seven top three podium finishes with first national series win at Terrain Race. And then what we're going to be talking about a lot on this podcast is she just won two 24-hour OCRs back-to-back. So she won Shale Hill for the females up in Vermont, and then a week later raced Dirt Runners Warrior Rush 24-hour division, and didn't just win the female division, she won the whole thing. So Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. That is awesome. So what I love about reading through your bio is a lot of times when I write articles and I talk about goal setting, your bio reads like some of the goals I set where like it's stepping up your goals every year and you keep getting better. So I just think that's awesome as I was reading through your bio. Yeah, that's kind of what I was working on is building up and building up to the ultra races this year. Yeah, and you've been absolutely crushing it this year, which we're going to talk about. Um, so first of all, let's talk about you know what drew you into OCR in general. Uh, I actually saw an ad for Tough Mudder in 2013 and thought it looked fun on Facebook. So I decided to start running so I could go run a Tough Mudder. Ran one and got hooked on it. Really? Like two months later and did my second event. Did a local, like, zombie run. Cool. And then it's been snowballing from there, pretty much? Yeah, pretty much got addicted and do a lot of races. 
Yeah. So one of the other things I forgot to mention in her bio was she recently qualified as elite contender status at Toughest Mudder Midwest in, where was that? I can't even remember now. Uh, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. I was about to say Chicago, but that was last year. <laughs> yeah, that was last year. Um, so if some of you have heard her, her name before, it might be through that, or it might be, uh, I post her all the time, all, all over Instagram on Strength and Speed, because you always, you're always representing, so it's, it's really easy to reshare all your stuff. Yeah, I try to. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, before we start talking to Ultra OCR, um, let's talk... How did you – so you were one of the first people, not just one of the first females to apply to the developmental team. Like you applied before I had a book out, before I had a podcast. You know, I'd only been writing for Mud Run Guide for probably about six months. So how did you end up hearing about strength and speed, first of all? It's kind of funny. Like a month ago I was talking to Sarah and she asked me the same question and I honestly don't remember. It had to be on Facebook somewhere, but I honestly don't remember. <laughs> no worries. All right, yeah, because you, you were like, I, I remember you as being one of the first people to apply, period, um, when I yeah, brought out I the idea of it. I seen your post somewhere. I don't know if it was through Mud Run Guide or through your Facebook page, but it was somewhere through Facebook I saw it. Oh, right on. Cool. All right, well, let's, before we get into the two 24-hour races you just won, which is awesome, by the way, I know I've said it a couple times, <laughs> I know you've done... I want to set a baseline for people so they can understand some of the differences. So I know you've done World's Toughest Mudder before. Tell us about yeah. that experience and kind of what your thoughts on World's Toughest Mudder were. I tried World's Toughest in 2015. I don't think I was really ready then because I had been doing Tough Mudders all year, doing multiple laps, but I don't think I was really ready for what World's Toughest and now the water so much and the weather and that, and I had uh, – problems with my IT band all year so that one going in and out of the water actually ended up froze up and couldn't get out of the water because I couldn't move my leg so that one was kind of like a fail for me but I learned a lot of lessons to kind of build on and build up my running more than I had been so it was a little bit better now. Gotcha and then just talk about some like what your experience was in general you know like the community and the op your opinion on some of the obstacles type stuff. Uh, the community is great with Tough Mudder, which is actually why I ended up running World's Toughest, just because going to so many events and talking to so many people in the community, it's so great getting to know everybody, and they're all so friendly. When you go out to the event, there's always somebody out there on the course helping you out with an obstacle, no matter what it is. They'll do everything they can to help you, just even if it's talking to you to keep you moving. Um the obstacles, a lot of the typical Tough Mudder obstacles, but there's a lot more on that shorter course than we're typically used to with them. And it, to me, it was a lot of fun, but very difficult at the same time, more than normal course. So I enjoyed the challenge of it a little bit more that way, doing Funky Monkey and, like, uh, Everest and all that. You always got help there on Everest on that course. It's pretty nice. Cool. So I think that uh, kind of aligns with most people's experience and expectations at Toughest Mudder or World's Toughest Mudder. So now I just wanted to set that baseline. So now we're going to start talking about some of the other 24-hour OCRs, which I'm sure we'll get to are, are pretty different. So you recently, a couple weeks ago, did Shell Hell, which is a 24-hour race in Vermont at Shell Hill Permanent Obstacle Course Facility in Benson, Vermont, which is near Killington. That's actually the last 24-hour race they're holding. They're going to be closing their doors for good uh, this coming February after their eight-hour uh, Polar Bear Challenge event. So explain to people what Shell Hell is like. Shell Hell is, I think you said it was six-and-a-half-mile course, 
It has somewhere like between 50 and 70 obstacles. I don't know exactly the count on them, but there is a lot of them. It's a lot more running, or a lot more obstacles than you have running in between. And he has some pretty difficult obstacles because you can take a typical obstacle like a Z-Wall and he makes it a lot longer. So the challenge there with all the obstacles is just pretty grueling in itself. Yes, uh, I've definitely experienced that. And the Z-Wall you're talking about is more like a, I mean, there's not even a letter to describe it. It's like a double Z-Wall, <laughs> but then in between the Z-Walls, it's either a balance beam or an overhead traverse. So it, it yeah. really destroys your grip. It does. That was like a super long one. Was, I, I didn't expect that. All right, what was your favorite aspect of the course, the Shale Hell course? I would say the challenge overall of all the obstacles, which the reason I signed up for that race was I heard it was like the hardest race with so many obstacles. It would just be a grueling race. So to me, that was the best part because it ended up grueling. I think I ended up doing more penalties towards the end than I actually completed obstacles because it was just tore up my grip. And so it lived up to the expectations that I had of being a really tough horse. Gotcha. And I know they do something interesting with their penalties. Talk about what the penalties are per lap. Yeah, the you have the first hour to run. You don't do any obstacles. And then after the hour, the air horn blows, and uh, you got to start completing obstacles. In the first two laps, if you fail an obstacle, you have to do 25 Spider-Man push-ups. And then it drops down for lap three to, like, 15 Spider-Mans. And then lap four, you have to do like seven Spider-Mans. And then lap five, you get to run with no penalties. You have to actually attempt an obstacle. You can't just touch and go. So you have to attempt all obstacles. But if you fail, you have no penalties on that lap. And then he goes to, I think, like the next one's like 30 jumping jacks. And then there's, uh, I can't even remember what them all is. The one lap, your penalty is you have to sing the national anthem. Then he goes to just time penalties. You fail an obstacle, you just got to wait so long before you can move on. So he kind of keeps it interesting and make you think as you're going, make sure you check that penalty board so you're doing the right one. Yeah, definitely an interesting aspect. And I liked how the penalties de- – so there was a higher, a higher cost for failing something on the first couple of laps. That being said, the course is designed for a single-lap course, and actually I would say it's almost too hard for multi-lap because it turns into a pretty big penalty off, at least through my experience the two times I've been up there. That's what I thought. It's definitely a great single-lap course, but trying to do those multi-laps, you just pretty much wear yourself out all around, and those penalties getting easier is nice, but then you end up doing more. So in the same way, it's not so nice. Yeah. So what would I say? What would you say your least favorite aspect of Shell Hell was? Uh, I don't know. I liked it all, but I'd say I ended up having to do so many penalties was kind of defeating to me. So that's probably my least favorite part. The running and all that wasn't too bad because you don't got too much dif- distance between the obstacles. So I'd just say the so many obstacles being that you do so many penalties is probably my least favorite part. Yeah. Now, I know at World's Toughest, you described it a little bit, but you know I kind of describe it as like a big party and everyone's helping each other and there's always people on the course. How do you compare that to something like Shell Hell? 
Shale, if you see people, everybody was friendly. And when you come into the pit, there's always people. They have a big old fire at night, so there'll be people sitting around the fire, and then they kind of cheer for you when you come in. But most of the time when you're out running on the course, because it's such a smaller event, you'd be running by yourself for a while. There was uh, one lap. I actually ran the whole thing and didn't see anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it can be, it's a lot lonelier course. So it's more of a mental thing. And, you know, if you see some kind of animals at night, they kind of look different when you're out there by yourself. So it gets kind of lonely. Yeah, absolutely. I describe shell hell as it has a little more of that ultra experience. Like if you've done ultra trail races, a lot of times you'll end up by yourself for long stretches of time. And that's kind of what shell hell was like for me where, you know, be on the course and it'd be like 3am and it's like, well, haven't seen someone in like an hour. Better you yeah. keep running. It's definitely like that. You will not see anybody for a while. So if you had some friends from the Toughest Mudder community that were thinking of doing Shell Hell, or just some regular OCR people, you know, who would you say Shell Hell is for? I would say it would be more for the obstacle athlete as opposed to, like, a typical trail runner that wants to try an OCR. So it's definitely somebody you have more grip strength more obstacle completion but also for an average OCR person just somebody looking for a challenge to see how many obstacles they can complete and what they can do because he has almost a version of like almost every obstacle you see so he's got some kind of version for you to try so it's a great way to go out and try a ton of different obstacles and what would you what would you say the hardest ones for you were uh I would say his like gauntlet of monkey bars (laughs) but I actually ripped off a callus on my first lap on his version of Twister because <laughs> he made it out the rebar and actually tore up my hands pretty bad. So I kind of struggled on that one. Yeah. I highly recommend gloves for that course. I've, the, I've tried to do it with no gloves for the first like lap or two, and my hands just get so raw. They, they really start wearing you down. So. Yeah, I took, that's where I made the mistake. I didn't wear my glo- forgot my grab my gloves the first two laps, and that's where I ended up losing calluses. And I had mm-hmm. gloves on after that. And personally, I like the, the uh, Met, Mud Gear has a brand of gloves called Mad Grip that I like to use. Um, nothing's better than bare hands on grip obstacles. But that being said, for things like walls or you know, there's like a hoist that you do at Shell Hell. I highly recommend gloves, just because even just that. You know, touching the tops of walls and pulling yourself will really wear your hands down over the course of 8 or 24 hours. What gloves did you end up going with? I had old batting gloves I used and then an old pair of workout gloves. They weren't Neither one was the best option because I normally don't wear gloves, so I really didn't have a good option. So I kind of failed there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good to know. All right, now... You did that one, and then a week later, Dirt Runner, for their final event, was putting on another race called Warrior Rush, and Warrior Rush had a couple different options. They had a 5K option, they had a 6-hour option, and they had a 24-hour option. Now, I came up for their final event because they always give out pretty cool prizes if you win, and uh, their course is just a lot of fun. We've talked about it before on this podcast with Lisa Nondorf and with Jordan Buscemi, if you want to go back and listen to those old episodes. But I went up for the 6-hour and a week later, Sam, you went over for the 24-hour. So knowing that you had two 24-hour races a week apart, which I don't recommend, <laughs> and I don't think I don't think any personal trainer would recommend. Yeah, I don't um, think anybody would. You know, what was your recovery plan and or training like between those two events? 
Well, I also did something else in between there I wouldn't recommend because I had to drive back from Vermont to Ohio on Monday. And then Tuesday, I had uh, my national licensure exam to be a physical therapist assistant. So those two days were pretty much done, and I was tired of taking a test. After that, it was unpacking and washing everything and then repacking everything. And then I usually soak in Epsom salt. So that was about all the recovery I really got in before I had to drive out to Illinois. That is brutal. And what's funny is I wrote an article on Mudrun Guide a couple weeks ago about how, like, you're supposed to take it easy and not mentally stress yourself because basically studies have shown that even if you don't do anything physical but you do something mentally taxing, it wears you down and then your performance suffers when you have to do something physical. So yeah, taking... <laughs> I thought about that on my way out to Vermont as I was studying for my exam the whole way. <laughs> so that makes it even more impressive. But basically you did nothing physical in between, which – um, no, I didn't. Yeah, for two races like that, you know, that's you're not going to gain anything. You know, at at most, some walking or some easy cycling is just going to flush the blood around. And that's about it. You, for something like that, you really the goal is just to recover and be able to you know walk slash jog again a week later. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I did some walking, obviously, with unpacking everything and laundry and all that. So I was doing some walking around, but that was about the extent of my physical activity. All right, now explain the Dirt Runner course to people, because I think a lot of people have not been there. That one was, what, like a three-and-a-half-mile course, something like that? He says a 5K was a little bit long. He starts off, you do a little run, go in a cargo net, and then go to his rig that he has. He has it pretty early in the course. That's, what, maybe an eighth of a mile in or something? It's not very far in. And then you get to this wide open field that he mowed past, has a bunch of walls, bunch of crawls, and a bunch of carries sprawled out in this two mile field. So it's a pretty grueling field out in the sun to start the race off. And then you get to run into the woods, which he has monkey bars and like a slant wall. I think you have some, you have balance beams and couple of them and another really long tube crawl some over under logs and then once you get through all the the short run in the woods you get out to the end which he kind of has a gauntlet he has a bunch of obstacles which one that got i saw got a few people was you had to climb up this wood thing jump into the water swim and then climb up a like 20 foot cargo net and jump back down into the water and there was quite a few people stuck at that one that was kind of intimidating that one's super fun and actually sometimes for me this course was run in reverse a lot of times he runs it in the other direction okay. and there's a the version there's a version of that where you start on the platforms and actually swing to the net like a pirate like a buccaneer from goonies <laughs> grab onto the net climb over it and then drop in so it was interesting to run it in reverse where you jump off into the water but yeah, yeah, I saw those ropes. I was wondering. I was curious, but it was a little intimidating on top of that cargo net swaying over the water. Oh, yeah, and that thing, mo- that thing moves real well, especially when yeah. you're up at the top. It really does, and then when you get a bunch of people on it, it was really moving. Cause I think there was like four of us on it at one time, and that thing was moving. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, so you continue with the gauntlet of obstacles. What else is, do you have to face in that final 100-meter stretch? Final- you have a couple more, like, uh, slant, slip walls, whatever you want to call them, and then I don't know what he calls them. He has these huge climbs where you have to climb up the logs, 
turn around and then climb down them. He has a couple sets of those. He had a tire flip and then a tire carry. And then you have to climb up a tire. And then you got like a weaver type obstacle. And then you have something that's similar to Tip of the Spear. I want to call say he calls it Delta Force. Yep, Delta Force Grip is yeah. his name. And then you got a couple Atlas carries. And then a little swim through a short like pond. And then you got to climb up another small cargo net. And then he uh, called it like an assault wall. You have this climb up this big wall that he has uh, wood sticking out of. It's kind of a unique looking thing. And then you go to a rope climb and then a cargo net that's like horizontal that you have to do like monkey bars. And then you got a barbed wire crawl to the finish line. Yeah, so what I what's interesting is I've done the course a couple times and I don't remember when I look back at it, I don't remember anything being super difficult, but it's the repetition and it's the back-to-back obstacles in like a couple laps in, I was like, ah, oh, I'm exhausted. Why is this wall so hard to get over? <laughs> I definitely felt that way, especially with all those carries and the walls in the field. It felt like you were, like, always climbing over something or carrying something or you are having to crawl. It was like it was just a repetition. So I didn't think any of his obstacles were real hard either, but they got hard after a few laps. Yeah, absolutely. What would you think of that low crawl? The one in the uh, right before the Tyrolean Traverse slash uh, high wire, low wire. Oh, yeah. That was a long crawl, and it got really hot during the day. <laughs> that was like the longest tube crawl I've ever done, and it was really low. Normally, I can go on my hands and knees on a crawl. That one, I actually had to, like, army crawl through that thing because it's so low. Yeah, so so that one's real bad, and there's another one that wasn't in, in this course that's actually, depending on which way he runs the course, is actually uphill. And it's basically... Oh, wow. It's, it's the same way, but, like, you know, you get in there during the daytime and your body is just reflecting heat off of that metal tube and it's coming right back at you. And you're just – I just come out of there dripping with sweat every time. It's brutal. Yeah, I'm kind of glad I didn't have to do the uphill one. And the other thing is the backside of the course has a lot of, like, ravines and a lot of single tracks, so it's a lot harder to run on. The Warrior Rush course I think was real nice. It was – pretty much the whole thing was runnable, minus there was, like, one small section of very thick mud um, – before you entered the gauntlet of obstacles. Yeah, it was it was definitely runnable. That was the only spot, and it kind of got worse through the night when it started raining in that spot, so it was, got real swampy. But other than that, it was really good running. Now, he did have a spear throw, but there was a unique twist to it. Tell us about that. Uh, the spear throw was he tried one attempt, and if you failed it, you got 10 burpees. But you could take a second attempt, but if you missed that one also, then you had to do 20 burpees. So he gave you a second shot, but then you ended up with more burpees if you missed twice. Did you end up taking a second chance at all? I did. I I only needed a second chance once, and I actually got it on the second shot. Oh, really? Yeah. So I actually got really lucky with my spear throws. So I ended up doing five laps, and I hit it three out of five times. I never took a second chance, and it's also the... <laughs> It's also more times than I've hit a spear throw pretty much for the, the rest of my OCR career cumulative, so I was really excited <laughs> about that. Yeah, I, I pr- used to practice it. Cause I, the, in 2016, I did so many Spartans. I actually, we made a spear at home, and so I was practicing at home, so I don't really struggle with that one anymore. Right on. Now, tell us about the end of your race. So you end up... Yeah, tell us about the end of the race. Uh, the end of the race, I came in... He actually hit, my whole end of my race was kind of weird with a twist. I actually came in from the ninth lap, 
and he had this thing that after a certain time there was no obstacles but you had to bear crawl or uh, I think he called it duck walk the two mile field and then, but you didn't have to do obstacles so that was a pretty bad option but I came got out my 10th lap and I only had to bear crawl maybe like an eighth of a mile by the time I got through everything in the field before it hit the time that we had to start doing that and so I got through that and got the so about a mile and a half the course I got the run with no obstacles came in for my 10th lap he told me I won and I told him I was like well I'm gonna go out for one more lap and he wasn't understanding why I wanted to go for one more lap when I had won it for the females I told him the guy that was first place did 10 laps he won the mail so he took off so I figured if I did one more lap I could actually win it overall since he had gave up and I've never run won a race overall, so I thought that was a pretty cool accomplishment to go for, and I had plenty to go be able to finish one more lap. Well, I love I love that ending. I was, you know, I had done the six hour and gone home by that point, so I was, I think I was texting you or texting someone from Strength and Speed, and when I heard you were going out back out for another eleventh lap for the overall win, I was super excited because <laughs> I just thought it was awesome. You know, such a, such a great ending and. Yeah, the, the, the guy who won already had a lead and he'd gone home, so you know he obviously couldn't defend himself at that point, so why not take it? I love it. Well, that's what I figured. I was like, he left it up in the air, so I was like, I'll go take it. <laughs> awesome. Now, what, w- what would you say your favorite aspect of the course was? I liked the end part where he had the gauntlet of the different obstacles because it was not the same type of obstacle. You got all kinds of different things to test you. So I like that part of the course was probably my favorite part of the course. Gotcha. And your least favorite part? Uh, probably the beginning with the field with the carries and all the walls and curls. <laughs> yeah, and that gets bad. Especially, it was a little overcast that day, so it wasn't too bad. But in the sun, when it's sunny, that gets real bad. You just yeah, start... Yeah, kind of later in the afternoon, it started getting sunny, and that field got brutal. Absolutely. So who would you recommend Dirt Runners 24-hour race for? I would say about anybody that enjoys OCR could go out and do it. Uh, Somebody that really likes walls and to do a lot of – he had a lot of heavy carries, so somebody that's really good at the heavy carries would definitely enjoy the field the way he had it set up. But it's definitely a friendly course for anybody that wants to go try an OCR event. Yeah, and tell, tell us about the finisher prizes and participation prizes. Uh, he gives, for anybody that participates, you get a finisher's medal with the Warrior Rush logo on it, which is pretty cool-looking medal. And then if you do the multi-laps, for every lap you complete, you get a coin that has a Warrior Rush logo on it, and on the backside in Greek it has uh, respect is earned, not given, but it's wrote in Greek, and you get one of those for every single lap you complete, so any finisher of the multi-laps get them. And then top three get a, a skull award, and then first place overall for the 24-hour event got a trident medal, or trident also that was in gold-plated. So they had some pretty nice awards for finishing that race. And when we say trident, we're not talking about the battle frog trident, which like I can put in my carry-on bag, and then <laughs> and then check my bag, right? Like it's a it's a full no. trident. Yeah, this thing's like almost as tall as me. It was huge. Yeah, and they for the so for the six hour, it was the winner got an uh, he's called the Ares spear, so it's a some similar big spear, but instead of having like a 
robust spike at the top. It's more of a smaller arrowhead type spike. And the skull she's talking about, I mean, it's made of concrete. It's heavy. It's like a 15-pound skull. <laughs> yeah, that thing is heavy. So I was really glad I drove to the event because I don't know how I would have gotten that stuff on a plane or what yeah, what I would have done with it. That definitely was not going in check-on check bags. You, you'd have to put it in a check bag. It wasn't going to go on a carry-on. Yeah, I'd done their dirt run, the dirt runner Midwest Mayhem last year, and for the finisher, I got a finishing for winning that. I got a concrete dragon skull, and then I also got a full size sword. So uh, there's no cash prizes, or well, he doesn't. Sometimes he does cash prizes for his events, but usually not. But the finisher prizes to me are always worth going out for because they're they're pretty insane. And then the Warrior Rush medal is super nice too. Like it's. You know, it's not just a circle. It, it has, like, the spears that extend off of it. So when they cut them like that, they're actually a lot more expensive. And then the coins themselves are, like, the size of finisher medals. Like, they're big and heavy. They're pretty awesome. Yeah, they were definitely – he has some of the best awards I've seen. Absolutely. And when we say he, we're talking about uh, Taki. I can't – I'm not going to pr- try to pronounce his last name, <laughs> even though I'm Greek. Uh, most people just call him TK. Um, if you pay attention to Facebook or follow Dirt Runner or Warrior Rush, they each have their own page now. You'll see him posting there all the time. Uh, he's also the guy behind OCR Greece. He's like one of the head guys behind that. So you can like them. Head over to Facebook and like OCR Greece and Warrior Rush. Well, one of the cool things about Dirt Runner and Warrior Rush is they're taking it mobile. So that was the last event at the permanent facility in Marcel, Illinois. They're going to be going mobile, so first stop is going to be at the end of August, same weekend as Endure the Gauntlet. It's going to be a Black Diamond Obstacle Course in Ohio, and it's the DRX Games, which we've talked about before on this podcast when Christopher Balvin was on. So if you want to go back and listen to that, if you haven't listened to it, I would check that out. All right, let's talk about some of your fueling. So what did you use? I mean, these are two real long events, and they're a week apart. You know, How did you fuel for these events? What's your technique? Um, for the endurance events, I've been going with, uh, hammer products for my drinks. I've been using heat, sustained energy, and perpetum. And I kind of do like a mixture. I drink different at different times. And then I use, uh, honey stinger gels. They're about the best thing on my stomach. I just like the honey flavored ones. And then I, the only thing I really ate was like watermelon and strawberries and some bread. So most of my nutrition, especially like an eight-hour event, I only drink the hammer and eat gels. I actually don't eat any solid foods during an eight-hour event. 24-hour event, I just added in some bread and fruit for those ones. I know some people listening to this podcast probably thought I knew the answer to that and you were going to say exactly what I recommend, (laughs) but that's actually not true. That's no. what, that question was not on the agenda, but she answered perfectly because I, I, that's the way I recommend eating, right? Like, I, I think um, I just re- recently read the book Endure, so if anyone's looking for a great book, you can check that out. But one of the things that they were proving via science and, like, test studies was, you know, you're for when fueling for endurance, it's best to use every system. So people who are like, I'm just fueling off fat or I'm just consuming, like, a pure sugar product or I'm just consuming protein, which no one does – um, that's not the best way. Like it's best to put all three into your system and then your body can hundred percent utilize as much as it needs of each one. So, which is why I recommend perpetuum, which is why I think it's the best endurance, ultra endurance product that exists. So good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. And now let's talk about 
before we let you go, let's talk a little bit about Toughest Mudder Midwest. Uh, so you you came out to that, and how did that go? That one went great. I went into that race feeling real recovered, felt strong going into it. That one, I was running a pretty good race. Like I said, just do liquid calories in that, so I just take a water bottle with me and do a quick pit to switch it out every lap, and it's running pretty good, doing most obstacle completion besides uh, Spunky Monkey, which for some reason I can't complete. It's my nemesis there. Well, that <laughs> was a, running... that was a tough uh, positioning, if I remember correctly, or was yeah, it? Yeah, that or... one I struggled on. I didn't get at any of my laps. All right. But besides that, I was running a good race, not too many penalties, knew a lot of people there running, so always people to talk to running Tough Mudder, so I was just having fun, running good, was hoping for like a top 10 finish at that one, just one good placement. My goal for the year was to get top five, but didn't think it really happened because there's pretty stiff competition there a lot of times, but uh, I ended up completing seven laps on my fifth lap I actually ended up running with a woman that finished in fifth place and she thought we were in top 10 maybe top five so we're just running talking having a good old time running together and that's uh Kelly Williams from Kelly. the Neptune team yeah I couldn't remember her last name <laughs> but she had failed an obstacle and I got ahead of her when I was coming in when after our sixth lap and then people started screaming at me when I was coming in the pit that was in fifth place well, found out coming out of the pit, I was actually in fourth place. So I got pretty excited. My actual last lap was my fastest lap with obstacles. So I ended up finishing fourth place for the women up there with uh, seven laps. Yeah, that's huge. That is such an awesome accomplishment. I was so happy to see you. I know I know Kelly, too. So I was super happy yeah. to see both you and Kelly in that top five. Yeah, that was, it was definitely awesome. It was something I wanted and one of my goals for the year, but wasn't one I actually thought I would be able to get with all the people that show up to those races because they're usually pretty tough yeah i mean the other names on the on the podium were big names right i mean uh april d was on there and uh it was ray coble and was it allison Ty? Lin- no I, I, uh, Lindsay. 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 yeah Lindsay. yeah it was Lindsay. yeah so pretty big names in the sport of ultra endurance obstacle course racing and obstacle course racing in general so kind of a big yeah. deal yeah it definitely was a good race yeah, so now that you have a league contender status, are you planning on going to World's Toughest or no? Uh, that's still up in the air. I don't know about that one with the career change and that, so I'm not really sure about that one for this year. And not a huge fan of the cold, so that kind of, so I don't know. It's up in the air. There's a possibility. Well, if you go and win, that would make you win <laughs> all three 24-hour uh, OCRs in the U.S., I'm just saying. So oh, yeah. I, f- I feel like you kind of have to go, and you kind of have to win at this point. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. That'd be pretty tough to win that one. Yeah, the competition there is pretty brutal all the it time. Is. So Yeah. And it, it's, you know, with the last event of the year, most people are not holding back. They're they're putting it all out there, and um, I know that's what I do and destroy myself pretty good for the rest of the year. So. Yeah, I think that's what everybody does because they know they got time to recover from whatever happens to them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know you, because I'm in a private Facebook group with you, you recently signed up for something else, uh, which I also don't recommend, but go ahead and let people know what you just signed up for and when it is. Um, well, last weekend I signed up for my first 100-mile race, and the race is in six weeks. <sighs> That's brutal. 
That is a quick yeah. turn. Yeah, well, I'm trying to decide what I want to do for the rest of the year, and I figured I was doing endurance and trying to challenge myself, so I figured that was the way to go. All right, well, I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be a real scenic one, so it should be fun either way. Right on. And what are your future plans for 2019? Any big goals? I actually do not know yet. I don't even know how I'm finishing this year. I kind of, everything's been up in the air, and i just kind of been playing it as I go. Uh, Warrior Rush, I actually signed up for maybe a month before the event, so I really haven't been planning too far out this year. Just kind of winging it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> winging it with Ultra OCRs. Also not recommended, but... Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, but I did the training, just didn't plan ahead with the event, so... But I'll also say, you know, if you don't show up, you'll never know how you're going to do, right? So um, Exactly. I mean, some... you can go and have fun. Even if you don't get podium or whatever place, you're going to go out there and have some fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I, so I just did Conquer the Gauntlet this past weekend as we were recording this, and it was a week after Warrior Rush, and I had literally no expectations of doing well just because I wasn't sure my body would bounce back in time, and it ended up turning out really well for me. So, um, yeah, I ended up winning, which I never want to – straight regular conquer the gauntlet event before so i was super excited and you know if i was planning out my schedule and doing the smart thing as a personal <laughs> trainer would do i would not have signed up for that because you know in my mind i've been like i'm not fully recovered yet so why am i going to go race there but sometimes you roll the dice and sometimes you come up a big winner so definitely <laughs> cool so for those so you're one of the original members of the strength and speed developmental team and we've talked to sarah langoni before about it before so yeah. tell for the listeners just you know a little bit about the Strength and Speed Developmental Team, and then we'll do final shout-outs and take off. Uh, it's a nice uh, team to get on. You've got a private Facebook group. You can ask any kind of advice you want. Usually there's people all kinds of different uh, disciplines within OCR, running and strength, so you get a lot of good recommendations, training tips, and you make a bunch of friends that you can go to an event, and then we see them, and your teammates, so you get along. It, it's a good group to learn and run with and have a good time with, and I've definitely got a lot of good training tips out of the group over the years, and definitely helped me with this year with my ultra running. Right on. I know you stayed with uh, Sarah for Toughest Mudder Boston a couple weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. So, so. Save some cost on hotel money there. And then yeah. on top of that, you know, we try to keep it small so it's you get quality answers as opposed to, you know, if you post in some of these larger Facebook groups, you'll get literally every answer in the book from good to this is a terrible idea uh, type answers. Yeah, to but, a lot of fake answers. Yeah, and people being sarcastic, and you can't tell they're being sarcastic because you don't know them. But yeah. uh, every year we do an application period. Usually it's in December, January when racing season kind of dies down and I have time to actually read through th people's applications and pick people. So if you're interested in applying for the Strength and Speed Developmental Team, you can apply during that period, so December, January time frame. But we also do essentially paid-for memberships too. So uh, if you look on the Team Strength Speed store online, you can actually buy into the group, and that, again, gives you the same benefits, but uh, you have to pay up front. So keeps the group small, keeps the group consistent, and keeps the advice on there solid as opposed to, um, like I said, it was opening the floodgates. All right, before we go, any final shout-outs you want to give? Uh, I guess I will to my fiancé, Nathan Till, because he basically plays my chauffeur, training partner, obstacle builder, pretty much anything I need for OCR he helps me out with. 
and probably Honey Stinger because love their gels, good products. Have you tried their just straight honey? It's less like a honey in a bottle. Yeah, I've actually had that. I got it free with something, and it was actually pretty good too. It's really good. Like, yeah. I usually don't buy honey, but that's when I do buy honey, I typically go with that because yeah, that's a good it tastes one. good. Yeah. So. Good stuff. All right. Well, we're gonna take off. Um, if you are interested in Ultra OCR, head over to TeamStrengthSpeed.com to the online store. You can pick up the Ultra OCR Bible. Again, it has all my secrets and training tips and techniques and all sorts of good stuff for endurance racing. It's also got interviews with some of the best in the sport. It's got three different training plans in there that are modular. So the way I broke it down was I know people like to race in between Ultra OCRs and you know doing short courses. So a lot of times people don't have a straight 16 or 18 week period to build up for their race so what i did was essentially break it into three or four week blocks so you can do a block here you know do a shorter race and then pick up a couple you know a week or two later with a different block and continue to build that progression over several months instead of you know trying to cram it all all in in the last minute so good stuff there also if you're interested in some of the hammer nutrition products we talked about on the show uh uh, referral number 240887, which is on the Strength Speed website or on the Facebook page. You can use that for 15% off your first order. Um, so lots of good stuff there. Sam, thanks again for coming on the show. And uh, thank Nathan for me. He's awesome. He recently put <laughs> together a couple of videos for the website showing how to build your own spear and how to build some of the other obstacles that are pretty low-cost solution uh, if you're looking to get some good training in. But, you know, want to build your stuff at a, at a cheap rate. So, good stuff there. Thank you All for right. having me on. All right, Sam. Thanks again, and we will talk to you later. Bye.